This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. You got me. He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. After six months of going through the COVID-19 crisis, being a student of people's behavior, I watch you and study you, and I'm sure you study me as well. But uh, I've learned a few things. Uh, One is very obvious. The majority of us have hated it. COVID has been an enemy. 
not only to those of us or those who have lost loved ones or friends, as I've lost several friends to it, but it's been an enemy to, uh, to the extroverts who feed off of being with friends and family. I've also learned that a lot of people have hated the social distancing part because a lot of people do not have a personal bubble. And, and, you know, when they talk to you, they like to kind of get up in your grill where they can smell your breath and you can smell theirs. And, you know, if you're like me, and and, and I don't like this about myself, but I'm a bubble person. Uh, And and when a non-bubble person gets inside my bubble... um, I find myself slowly backing away. Uh, a few days ago, I was talking with a man in our foyer, and, and he wasn't from this church. There was another event here at the church. But as we were talking, I quickly found out that he was a non-bubble person. He invaded my personal space. And I didn't say anything, but I, I found myself just slowly, subtly backing away from him. Um, but, but the problem was that when I took a step away, he took a step towards me. And and I'm sure he never realized it, but it was almost like a cat and mouse game. Uh, During the course of the conversation, we covered a good deal of distance across the foyer. I was backing up. He was coming towards me. But, But anyway, the majority of people have hated the pandemic because of the isolation, because of this social distancing, the personal bubble. But on the other hand, there are a few people that even though most of them would maybe not admit it, they loved it. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago with some pastors and, and a pastor friend of mine, and a, a friend of Jim's as well from out of town, he, he, he said, I love this time. Now, he didn't love the fact that people have lost their lives, that's not it. But as a pastor, he said, COVID has meant that now I don't have to visit people in their homes. Uh, I don't have to visit people in the hospital. We can't have small groups. So he, so he said, I just now hunt and fish and ride my bike, and he's loving it. And then he turned to me and said something surprising. He said, Joe, as a pastor, I felt the freedom to take a break from my responsibilities during this pandemic because I knew you wouldn't. He said, I knew you would still go to the office early and work long hours. And and so he said, I feel good about being a slacker because I know you're not going to be one. And I don't think he meant this as a compliment to me, but I took it that way. So some have hated it. Some have loved it. But regardless of where you land on this, I think that all of us are ready for some sense of normalcy, whatever that means. I hope we don't rush things too much and begin to let our guard down. The the virus is still very active and dangerous. What we have here in Cedar County, most of them in Stockton, Jericho Springs area, what was 10, 11 cases this past week. And a few Sundays ago, I told you we went to South Dakota for vacation where we thought we were going to be in an isolated, out-of-the-way place. Uh, we wouldn't be around many people. Unknowingly, our Airbnb was less than 20 miles from Sturgis, where the annual motorcycle rally draws hundreds of thousands of bikers. And I read this past week that in the last few days, Sturgis and the surrounding areas, the surrounding states, have reported many new cases of the virus, just tracing back to, um, to the rally. So, so the virus is still active. But in this part of the country... I think we've reached a place to where we're ready to at least take some baby steps back to what we call normal. But in light of what we've experienced, the the last six months, the the times of quarantine, the stay-at-home order, the social distancing, the shortage of toilet paper, the masks, 
the dealing with businesses that are closed or semi-closed, I think it would be a horrible shame for us to just go back to the regular normal in our lives without asking this question. What lessons have we learned? What lessons have we learned over the last six months that should cause us to do some things differently from here on out? Now, the scripture that will anchor our thoughts is a very strange scripture. In fact, in 35 years of ministry, I've made passing references to the scripture, but I've never used this scripture as a foundational scripture for an entire message, nor do I ever remember any other pastor using this either. If you have a weak stomach, the word picture may bother you. But nevertheless, this is a scripture that God wanted in His Word. It gets across a powerful truth. Are you ready for it? Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Now, if you've been a dog owner, you know, what, you know that this is what they do. It's gross. It's disgusting. But it's in the nature of a dog to return back to its vomit. And it does so not to just admire the many colors that sometimes is in it. Uh, but, but that dog has a specific purpose in mind when it returns back to the vomit. And I don't need to tell you what that is. If you don't know, just research it afterwards. Now you say, Joe, where are you going today? How are you going to take the Scripture and, and use it so it will benefit us? Well, there's no doubt that the last few months have been tough on all of us as, as we've navigated our way through the only true pandemic that any of us has ever experienced. Now, I know some call the H1N1 flu outbreak of 2009 a pandemic, but really probably the last true pandemic in our country was in 1918. But as we've gone through this pandemic, for many people, it's revealed some cracks, some problem areas. And here's my concern. As we slowly get back to normal, schools opened this past week in our area. Most restaurants in this area have opened again for dine-in. As a church, as, as we've announced, we're going to have relaunch uh, you know, Sunday for school, Sunday school, life groups, feeding the kids. And, but you know what would be a shame, a, a dirty shame? For us to have gone through these last six months of pain without making any corrections in our lives. Somebody once said, pain without gain is a shame. To help us understand this a little bit better, C.S. Lewis, many years ago in his little book, uh, The Problem of Pain, wrote, and I quote, he said, I'm progressing along the path of life in my ordinary, contentedly fallen and godless condition when suddenly a stab of abdominal pain that threatens serious disease or, or perhaps a headline in the newspaper that threatens all of us with destruction sends this whole pack of cards tumbling down, but then by God's grace for a day or two, I become a creature consciously dependent on God and drawing in strength from the right sources. But the moment the threat is withdrawn, and I quit quoting because what he is going to say, what he says, is our story. We go back to our old ways. For, for some of you, your story went like this. 
two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, maybe five years ago, maybe more, your husband or wife came to you and said, if you don't change, I'm done. I'm out of here. And that got your attention. You began making changes. You began coming home earlier. You started listening better. You paid more attention to the kids. You paid more attention to what your spouse wanted. And, and the marriage got better for a while. But the moment the threat was withdrawn, you began to go back to your old ways, back to the old normal, the regular normal. Honestly, I've heard this story so many times from good people in this church. Or, or maybe your story is this. You had a physical, and the doctor looked at you and said, remember, remember, we talked about this last time. And if you don't make changes, you will not be around to play with your grandchildren. That got your attention this time. And, and you changed your eating habits, and you began to exercise. And people said, hey, you're looking really good. And you said, I feel good. But we all know what happens because this is our story. Typically, the change has only lasted a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe up to a year. And then what happened? We, we drifted back to our old eating habits. We quit exercising. And, and this story could be repeated in a thousand different areas from a struggle with pornography to the struggle with reading our Bibles or addictions, illegal drugs, prescription drugs, smoking, alcohol. These are our stories. And our stories cause me to ask, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with us? Why do we have to be led to the brink of disaster before we're willing to make the changes that we've known all along we need to make? Well, then C.S. Lewis finishes this segment of his book by talking about a puppy when that hated bath is over. And if you've ever given a puppy a, a, a bath, you know exactly where this is going. What does a puppy do when the hated bath is over? As soon as you let them outside, they, they shake themselves, and then what do they do? They roll in the grass, and then sometimes roll in the dirt, in the flower bed. And one of our dogs always liked to roll in bird manure. Seriously. And so like the, like the scripture that we read where it's the nature of a dog to return back to his vomit, so it is our nature to return back to our old ways, ways that many times were unhealthy physically, ways that many times were unhealthy relationally, ways that many times were unhealthy spiritually. And so as our community is taking steps to return back to some sense of normalcy, we need to ask the question, what should I begin doing now that I should have been doing all along? Now, today I want to talk about three specific areas, and honestly, they will all probably be a little bit painful. You're going to think I'm just doing more meddling than preaching. But any pain that I might inflict today is so that there will be gain to avoid the shame of returning back to old habits and old patterns and old addictions that are not healthy. The first area that we want to focus on is in the matter of our finances. Let me ask a few questions to launch us into this point. What, what have you learned over the last several months about your finances? Is there a bad financial habit that caught up with you during the pandemic? 
Or, or let me ask it this way. What do you wish you would have been doing financially pre-COVID that would have set you up to be in a better place now? Now, just in case you're thinking, Joe, this is church. We need to stick to spiritual matters. We shouldn't talk about money in church. Well, as I've reminded you over the years, the Bible speaks more about money and possessions than it does about prayer. So do you think I should speak about prayer? Yeah. The Bible talks more about money than it does about prayer. In fact, Jesus talked about money and possessions more than any other topic with the exception of the kingdom of God. 11, 11 of his 39 parables in the New Testament deal with money. Roughly 15% of his entire teaching, preaching, deal with money. Why do you think Jesus would spend so much time on money? Well, because money has a way of it becoming, of becoming a problem child. Money obviously becomes a problem if it's too scarce. Money also can become a problem if it's plentiful. Money is one of the greatest points of conflict in a marriage, the second leading cause of divorce. Money is one of the greatest points of conflict in a church. Well, the church shouldn't do that with their money. Money, whether you know this or not, is one of the greatest points of conflict in Congress. Just think about that. And then you come across some of the sweetest. Listen, some of the sweetest and most godly people on the face of the earth, but some of them don't have a clue how to manage their money. And what's sad is their impact for Jesus is completely neutralized because they leave bad debts around town. These are sweet people. They're godly people. But they don't have a clue how to manage money. Now, there are two financial realities that you already know. The first is this. I want, I want is better than I owe. Being able to say, I want is better than having to say, I owe. And it's better to go without things that I don't need than to owe money on things I don't need. Being able to say, I want, is so much better than saying, I owe. The second financial reality is this, and you'll probably not like it, you won't like me, but a financial whole, are you listening? A financial whole is generally due in part to a lack of self-control. Kind of rhymes, so maybe you'll remember it. And, and there are some exceptions. But a financial whole is generally due in part to a lack of self-control. But the problem is that most people never own up to their own personal lack of self-control. And you know, something like that is always easy to spot in others. We say, well, if they wouldn't go out to eat so much, that'd save them a lot of money. Or if they would just quit smoking, that would save them $1,000 a year. If they would give up their daily soft drink from the convenience store, it's going to save them $500 a year. A lack of self-control is easy to spot in others, but so hard to spot in us. But if a lack of financial self-control has been part of our past, if, if credit card debt has gotten out of control, if our spending has surpassed our earning, then the writer of Proverbs has a word picture for us from ancient times. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city, get this word picture, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. 
Now, the walls around a city represented safety and prosperity. And so when an enemy would scope out the city to try to conquer it, they would pick the weakest part of the wall. They would use weapons to batter it down. They would create a breach, which would then allow the enemy to go into the city and control it. And so here's my point of this verse. A lack of self-control ultimately leads to a loss of control. And what do we as Americans want pretty much more than anything else in life? We want control of our life. We want independence. That's what led us to break away from England over 200 years ago. And the key to having financial control of your life is to exercise self-control. Now, here's something that you've heard before, especially if you've taken the Dave Ramsey financial course. By the way, how many of you have taken Dave Ramsey financial course? Just raise your hand. This, that, that's a powerful course. But financial experts say that we really need to have the safety net of three to six months of savings set aside in case of an emergency. But the typical reaction is this. We get our bills paid. We have a little extra on hand. We get our tax refund back. And so we think, hmm, I've got money that's burning a hole in my pocket. And I've been wanting a... And you can fill in the blank. And since our bills are paid for this month, we feel justified buying it. But I believe that as we begin relaunching our lives after the COVID-19 shutdown, that this is a time to create a plan to set money aside. What if the next time there is no stimulus check coming our way? Where would you be? Seriously, where would you be if you hadn't received the $1,200 check per adult from Uncle Sam and the $600 check per child, which, by the way, did you hear the breaking news that that's going to have to be paid back? Did, did, did you all hear that? It, it will. I'm serious. It will have to be paid back in the form of inflation or increase in taxes That's probably a burden that our kids or our grandkids will have to carry. But I've heard people in this community that live paycheck to paycheck, and they say, well, I got 1200 bucks from the government. I got money. I just got paid, so I'm going to go buy this. When it comes to our finances, we need extraordinary self-control. So, so are you ready for this? You've heard it a thousand times, but you need to hear it again. Save more, spend less, get out of debt, stay out of debt. Save more, spend less, get out of debt, stay out of debt. And one more thing on the financial part, and then we'll move on. And I know you're ready to, for us to move on, but it gets worse. If this season has hit us particularly hard, our tendency will be to blame the virus or blame the economy or blame the Republicans or the Democrats or the president and you know, I realize that the virus and others may have contributed to it, but more than likely we contributed to our situation as well. We need to own that slice of the pie. Now is not the time to blame. Now is the time to exercise self-control, make corrections, and not repeat the mistakes of the past. Let's go to point number two. And I have exactly how many minutes? Nine minutes or whatever it is. I don't even know how long I've got. I've got as long as I want to take, I guess, because I'm pastor. But anyway, um, secondly, we need to learn lessons in the area of our relationships. 
What have we experienced these past few months that have caused us to see some relational flaws with those that we love the most? Perhaps for some, the the added tension and, and stress or the added time together because of being laid off or having to work from the home has revealed some cracks in the marriage. Or maybe this time has revealed has, how distant you are from your kids. Maybe the time has shown that you've never developed an actual relationship with the kids because you've been so busy. COVID-19 can actually serve as a wake-up call to us relationally. So if there are cracks in the marriage, now is the time to address them. Marriage problems don't fix themselves on their own. Sometimes we think, well, our marriage isn't great, but it's just a season we're in. If we can hang in there until the kids back and get back into school... Well, they're in school. If we can just hang in there until the kids graduate from high school, or if we can just hang in there until we retire, the, the, the truth is that marriage problems do not fix themselves. Hanging in there until, and again, just fill in the blank, hanging in there until whatever will not fix your marriage. And before we begin pointing fingers and blaming our spouse or our kids, Just as we need to do with our finances, we need to own our own slice of the conflict pie. Again, this pandemic could be the catalyst that saved our marriage. This pandemic could be the catalyst that caused us to finally develop a strong relationship with our children. All of this pain with no gain would be an extraordinary shame. I'm going to have to jump to the third area. Oh. The most important area in which we need to take inventory is in the area of our spiritual lives. What has the COVID-19 pandemic revealed to us about our spiritual walk with God? I think for some of you, it showed that your spiritual life was strong. Hard times didn't shake your faith. Quarantine didn't cause you to quarantine from God. Social distancing didn't cause you to distance from God. Face masks didn't cause you to worry more about having the government control you than worrying about Satan controlling you. I think COVID has shown that some of you are rock solid in your faith. But the truth is, I also believe that COVID has pointed out that for some of us, our faith was more fragile than we realized. Now, initially, when Governor Parson issued the stay-at-home order, schools were shut down, non-essential businesses were shut down, churches were shut down, it initially seemed that that created a surge in seeking God. And if you remember when we had our prayer drive around town, cars were lined up for almost two miles behind that first fire truck. People were praying. They were praying their hearts out. And I remember some of the people that started showing up in the parking lot. I thought, I was shocked that they would even be involved in this. But as there's is our tendency it seems that the longer this has gone on we've developed a comfort zone we've when it comes to spiritual things some of us have gotten really casual we've quit reading our bibles there's no longer the intensity in our prayer life that there was a few months ago and you know we began to hear from some people well i know you know i kind of like staying at home and i like listening to live stream i don't have to get fixed up to come to church and and and, and i realize there's still some people that should not be here and just looking at you in the camera right there There are some that should not come because you are immune compromised and you stay home. And if you're sick, you stay home. But but for others, I wonder if there's been some spiritual casualness and laziness. I'm not here to judge anybody. Thankfully, that's not my job. God knows the heart. God knows the health. I will leave that up to him. But here's my point. I I believe this season is a wake-up call for us spiritually. 
I believe it's illustrated how fragile our faith is. And, and it's shown that some of us, for some of us, there may be some serious cracks in our spiritual foundation. All it took was the storm of a pandemic. Sometimes, sometimes it revealed the good, sometimes it revealed the bad. So here's the premise of our message. As things reopen and we get closer to the old normal, let's make sure we're better for it. Let's make sure that we make corrections and don't repeat the old mistakes. Look, look at the front of your bulletin. Don't repeat. Don't repeat. Do not repeat the same mistakes. All of this pain without any gain would certainly be a shame. Let's not behave like a puppy when the hated bath is over. They race off, roll around in the nearest flower bed and get dirty again. And so to begin our, our wrap-up, I have a very simple suggestion. Some of you will probably think this is silly, and, and it probably is. But because it's so easy for us to forget, I want to encourage you to create something that will be a reminder of the changes that need to be made in your life. I want you to be creative in this. You can make a craft. You can find a physical object. Find something that will be a reminder to work towards that goal, maybe of having a three to six month emergency fund. Maybe it'll be a reminder to help you slow down. You're going all the time and you need a reminder to go home from work early. Maybe you need a reminder of the value of friendships that you've neglected or maybe a reminder of the cracks in your relationship at home. Maybe a reminder to invest in your son or daughter that you had a hard time connecting with because they're not like you. And, you know, I, I, I talk with some parents, they say, my, my child, I don't know how they, how they are my child because they're so different than I am and, and I have trouble connecting with them and they don't enjoy sports or they don't enjoy hunting and find an object that will be a reminder of trying to find some common ground and connect with them. And so I'd like for you to come up with this reminder. Put it someplace prominent through the month of September. And, and I'd like for you to email me and let me know your creativity. For our wrap-up, I want to share with you the object that I've chosen for my reminder. But first, let me give you a little bit of history that leads up to it. Major General Sterling Price was the governor of Missouri from 1853 to 1857. He was Missouri's 11th governor. And of course, this was during the very unsettled years leading up to the Civil War. Initially, General Price was a strong supporter of the Union Army. Through a series of situations, and I don't have time to detail this, but he became disenchanted, upset, switched sides, became an officer of the Confederate States Army. And it's interesting, I found this, I was just researching, just very intrigued this past week, but for those of us in this part of Missouri, at one time, General Price had 12,000 troops in the valley where the Sac and the Osage rivers meet. Not, not very far from here, as, as the crow flies. General Price was involved in, in many different raids and, and battles in Missouri and Arkansas and different places. Some of them were victorious, one of the very best known to us the battle at Wilson's Creek. He was victorious at Lexington, Pilot Knob, Little Blue River, and, and, and several others here in Missouri. And there's just so much rich history. But 
General Price eventually headed up to the Westport area in Kansas City where he was forced to fight with unequal odds. And as I was researching this, many of General Price's men had no shoes. They were barefooted. Uh, They didn't even have the basics. I read that many of them didn't even have a canteen. And so they would take these jugs of water and try to fill them just so they could stay hydrated. And they could even carry the jugs. They couldn't carry their artillery and their weapons. And it was... uh, his army wasn't, they weren't all trained. 25% I read, read had been deserters, but then they had taken them back. And so there was a little bit of mistrust there. So when he arrived to the Westport area with his men, General Price was outmanned and he was outgunned. And the battle at Westport there in Kansas City didn't go well. The battle became known as the Gettysburg of the West. He was boxed in by... Two northern armies at Westport, and under Major General Samuel R. Curtis, General Price was battered. He was forced to retreat, do you know to where? To Deerfield, Missouri, just 30 miles from here. And again, there's just, I wish I had time to give so much more interesting history here. But, but this leads me to the object that will serve as my reminder. A few years ago, a man who lived in the Westport area happened to be rummaging around in an old, dilapidated cabin. And he discovered a bucket. He looked in that bucket, and there were several old cannonballs. He also found a bayonet, found some other old artifacts. And they were taken to those who study Civil War artifacts, and they were determined to be genuine And from that time frame of the Battle of Westport. Well, after a few years of enjoying them himself, he called a friend of his, whom is one of our members, and And I was hoping he could be with us today. Uh, He had to be out of state. But but this man in Westport area, he said, Mark, I'm... And by the way, uh, Mark is a walking Civil War history book. But he said, Mark, I'm getting older. And he is getting older. And said, it's time for you to enjoy some of these treasures as well. And he shared with him some of the cannonballs. Mark, a good friend of mine appeared at church one day and he said, Joe, I want to share one with you as well. And so this cannonball right here um, dates back to 1863. So what is that, 157 years to the battle at Westport. This will serve as my reminder for the month of September. You say, why, why, did, why did you choose this article? Well, the, the cannonball was meant for destruction. It was an article of death. It was an article of destruction. And of course, the whole Civil War was a tragic, tragic part of our history. Yet, God allowed America to come out of it and become a better nation as a result. And so, just as this time of the pandemic has been a tragic part of our history, I pray that we will not just settle for getting through it. If I can just get through it, no. I pray that we will make some adjustments and come out of this as better people, better financially, 
better relationally, better spiritually. Remember that life's greatest lessons are usually learned during the worst of times. And so just as, you know, this was meant for bad, meant for evil, just as the Civil War was horrible, but God was somehow able to bring good from it. And I pray that over the next few weeks, as things reopen, and probably there will be some setbacks, and, but I pray that we as God's people will be better. Don't make the mistake of just going back to normal. Let's learn the lessons that God has for us. Would you just bow your heads, please? God, I want to just pray right now that as we leave here, Lord, that you would help us to make adjustments. That's what the name of our sermon is, the title of it, Making Adjustments. Lord, I know financially, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to hear about it. But God, I believe that sometimes uh, we have uh, just blown it financially. And that has created so many issues and it's neutralized any impact we might have for you. So Lord, I pray that we would make as much as we can, that we would save as much as we can, that we would give as much as we can. As Lord, those ministers of yesteryear coined that phrase. God, I pray that we would be good stewards of the money that you've entrusted to us. It's not ours. It's just ours to manage. Lord, I pray that relationally, where there are cracks and foundations with kids, with friends, with, in marriages, I pray that, Lord, we would take care of those cracks, that, God, we would take the steps to make adjustments. And then, Lord, most importantly, where spiritually there, maybe COVID has revealed some spiritual cracks, I pray that... God, we would get back to not just doing because it's not about doing, but we would get back to being a child of God that has a right relationship with you. So, Lord, in the days to come, I just pray that you would help us to seek you first. God, thank you for being faithful to us as we go through this horrible time in our nation. Lord, as racism again is raising up its ugly head and violence again and Father so many things in our nation that really we need Jesus I pray that during this time we would seek you and follow you Lord I pray this in Jesus name and all of God's people said Amen Amen and Amen Let's go make adjustments that would make us better followers of Jesus. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.